Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Oh, this week's episode, the fall TV season is now upon us. Could Apple provide a plus for streaming? And is it time to go down Carnival Row? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and Inside Sports coming right at you here. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our own mystical being from Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, and all the great things that he's doing with his new book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Time to take a trip down Carnival Row. Sorry, I was trying to think of a pun that I could use centaur in, but it was not working out. But yeah, let's walk down Carnival Row. All right, man, because this interesting show on Amazon Prime, I did get a chance to see it. I know we were supposed to talk about it, and I apologize for not talking about it on the last episode, but just so much pop culture was just invading the show that had to take precedent, so I truly apologize for that. But we are touching upon it now. So I got a chance to see it. I like it. If you compare it to other Amazon Prime shows that are out there, I don't think it's the best this year. I think The Boys still is head and shoulders above all the rest. But when it comes to a show that I think has a different feel, I think it gets too much into the political aspect and the political side of it as far as the inner world politics that collide between the humans and the fairies and and all the mystical beings in there and all that. But it is, from a detective story standpoint, not too bad. Orlando Bloom is is pretty good in the, in there, and Cara Delevingne she she does a great job as well. Which to me, I got kind of off guard by that because she has been in a lot of stuff that's been panned in the past few years, Suicide Squad and a couple other things that she's not been very highly regarded as. So I'm glad that see that we got a better performance out of her this time around. So I want to hear your thoughts. You got a chance to see the series Carnival Row. Let me know. Is it time to go back to the world of mystical fairies? and humans in a city and a world combined. Yeah, I think so. It's It's got a lot of really cool fantasy elements, and like it's, it's in a way that we haven't seen before, and it's also relevant to today's society because they're talking, they're hitting things like you know racism and prejudices and stuff like that. And the whole thing with like Kara Develine is interesting because like this is a great platform for her. This is something that she has an opportunity to really shine in because it's not something that's on a big screen. It's something where that I feel really utilizes her talent as an actress. The story is really intriguing to me and also just the world in which it exists. After watching the first few episodes, I looked at it, I look at Orlando Bloom's character and I look at 
Carnival Row and some of the other characters, they have the centards and they had like the Mr. Tumnus type creatures and they have the fairies, obviously. And it's just after watching the first two episodes, the world looks like it is very void of life. But then as you get further in, they start developing these characters a lot more and you see kind of their backstories and intentions and motivations. They do a really great job of bringing everything to life. And I love the, the guy that played Moriarty in the second Sherlock Holmes movie. I forget what his name is, but he, well, he's also on the short list of acting performances. Cause remember he's also one of the leads in Chernobyl as well. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he does an excellent job. The world is intriguing to me and that's what I hope that they keep developing. What other worlds are there out there? Are we going to run into elves eventually? Because this seems to take everything from favorite fantasy novels and bring them together, you know, in a world that feels more, realistic than like a Lord of the Rings or a Chronicles of Narnia or something like that. You're right. It sounds like it's going to be something that's going to mesh well for audiences. And again, Jared Harris, who's done an outstanding job. I'll tell you what, this is really the year that's going to catapult his career, I think, to an even higher level because with this performance here in Carnival Row and also his performance in Chernobyl, which is one of the highlights of the year in television, I think you're going to see a lot of great things from him going forward. But you're right. Carnival Row is something that I think is pretty good. I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as you did. I think it was a little bit slow from time to time. But I like the fact that it does touch on sensitive issues and serious issues such as racism, class structure, and things of that nature, which really point out some flaws in our own society, but also stick out in that series as well. And it's something that I think a lot of people should check out, especially if they need a nice buffer going into whatever it is that they want to see in the fall TV season, because the fall TV season is upon us, but there's still some time to go ahead and check out some great shows. And I think as a very solid contender, I think Carnival Road does fit that bill. Hey, Amazon Prime has already greenlit another year of Carnival Row. So you know what? If you want to catch up to date on what's going on with Carnival Road, now is a good time to do it. It's only eight episodes. It's not really much of a time investment. If you're a fan of all these other, if you're one of the people like myself who thinks that fantasy has been missing from TV and film for a long time, it's definitely a great place to kind of get that itch scratched a little bit. And I I didn't know that they had greenlighted another season. So that's exciting news to me. I was trying to look that up on the internet the other day and all I kept finding were uh, spoiler casts and stuff like that. So I'm glad to see it's coming back for another season because they really set up what could be a, a, a cool storyline because they isolated all the the uh, creatures, right, in Carnival Row. And we're about to see something that's more parallel to what's going on in our world today. And that could be something that makes headlines. So who knows? I hope it's good. I hope so as well, my friend. And that's Carnival Row on Amazon Prime. You should check it out. It's a, it's a pretty good watch for me. And it's definitely a great watch from Josh. He recommends it highly. And I give it a nice recommendation as well. But on our show today, we're going to have an awesome time. Indeed, we're going to be talking about Gears of War 5, Borderlands 3. Josh is going to be talking about his thoughts on both those games. Plus, we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to fall television with Jessica Boggs from the TV Ratings Guide and her new show, Jessica Show, which is now on Anchor and several other podcast outlets. Plus, also, we're going to count down numbers 111 to 120 on our top 200 video games of all time and also Apple Plus as well. But first, my friend, real quick, capping off the weekend for the box office and movies, It Chapter 2, slighter decline than what a lot of people had anticipated. Only 55% drop here domestically, 
about $40 million earned this weekend. But Hustlers not only did it exceed expectations, but it did so because it got over $33 million at the box office. It did a tremendous job, even above what anybody else thought out there. They thought they were thinking 25, 28. I actually was thinking about 30. So $33 million is is the biggest opening ever for the SDX studio. Jennifer Lopez, you know what? She's going to get a lot of acclaim right around Oscar time, Golden Globes time. So be wary of that. And again, I think you should give this movie a shot before the end of the year if you're into going ahead and talking about the top 10 movies of the year like we are. But also, my friend, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to pop culture. And you know what? I said it just real quickly. Apple Plus is now God itself. It's now close to being up and running. They announced that they've got a lot of shows on the way, the morning show and some other shows that are coming out, which are really highly anticipated. But the price, $4.99 for their television programming, plus Apple Arcade for the video gamers out there with a lot of great titles, including a new Rayman. That's also coming out at $4.99 a month. So I ask you, my friend, these aren't initially supposed to meant to be moneymakers for Apple in either the Apple Arcade or Apple Plus. Their target is to get in a larger audience real quickly. Was this a smart move to price point at low at $4.99 a month? Yeah, I think so. Because if you look at the games list, you know, as far as Apple Arcade goes, you look at the games list, everything, well, the games sound cool. Everything looks like something that plays on a mobile platform. So they're not really offering you something in the, in the vein of what like Stadia is uh, offering you or Steam or any of that stuff is. So it's still, the games look fun, but they still look like mobile games. And, you know, as I'm looking at, as far as the Apple TV stories go, some of them look cool. They look interesting, but there's not really anything that I'm seeing or that I watch trailers for that really popped out at me, except for C, the Jason Momoa show. I like the idea of Apple recreating, not recreating, but giving us more stories in the Peanuts universe. But, you know, if you look at this this list, there's not really anything here that has proved itself to be something worth watching. So it's possible that when Apple TV does launch and we are paying $5 a month for it, that they're going to pull a Netflix and start charging us more money. But I think they're waiting to see how well some of these shows do because a lot of them are based on novels that, I have never heard of and not that I'm like the end all say all on these things, but like it's a lot of stuff that if I haven't heard of it, I'm sure there's a lot of other people haven't heard of it. So I'm wondering if they're waiting to see how a lot of this stuff will do and if they're justified at their $5 price point, because if it ends up being things that are highly successful, then we're probably going to get a Netflix situation where they start charging more money and eventually we're going to be up to like $18 a month. Hopefully not, but we'll see what happens. Well, remember, they also have the distinct advantage. They have a large base to draw off of with all the Apple products that are out there. Plus, they can also incorporate that and Apple Arcade into those products, whether it's the phone, whether it's the iPad, whether it's the the computers, the whole nine yards. They have such a large following of Apple devotees that just the Apple name should bring in a substantial audience alone. Yeah, that's true, too. There are everybody has an i i mean not everybody but you know enough people have iPhones Macs MacBook Airs whatever it is iPads like enough people have Apple devices to really why are they going to go out and buy something else you know i wonder too like what the the free trial stuff like that so they're already 
with all the devices going out, they're already at an advantage as far as people being able to access this content, you know, going off to uh, Disney Plus or whatever it is, they have the advantage of having this content all the time. So if Apple starts squeezing advertisements on your computer, that wouldn't surprise me either. But yes, they do have a, a big advantage because there's so many devices that this stuff is going to be available on. I agree with you. And it's interesting to see as far as not only from the TV end with all the stuff that they're bringing out, like you said, with C and Dickinson and the morning show and all that, they're going to go ahead and keep on making it more enticing for their own marketplace. But with Apple Arcade, it'll be interesting to see with not only them, but also Google Stadia. I think there's only realistically room for one more outlet that's going to really thrive. I think it's either going to be Google or Apple. I'm not sure which one will thrive at the moment because obviously it ultimately depends on the games that, that are coming out with it. But your thoughts on this, what could be, you know, like we talk about all the time with Xbox versus PlayStation versus Nintendo, then coming down the road, it could be Apple Arcade against Google Stadia as well. I mean, this is something that has already been brought up by the press and media outlets, but this could be very interesting as far as an additional option for gamers out there as well. It's a nice additional option, but like I said, all the games that I see for the Apple Arcade, they look like mobile games, whereas on Stadia, because you can use your, your wireless devices to play Stadia, you just have to have a decent enough internet connection. So I don't know what would be the advantage of having the Apple Arcade unless they get some big hitters behind them. I know they have Square Enix doing like various days, I think it's called, but I don't know what would be the point of investing heavily in Apple Arcade if there's not something you can just play if you, you know, on Stadia. You have your, you just bring your controller, put your set your phone up and just sit back and play with the controller because Apple's not really offering you anything. And another thing I'm wondering with Apple Arcade, do you have to have the subscription or do you just buy the games outright? So that's something that's interesting to me because there's all those you know, all these apps out, not apps, but there's like, you can play all the old Final Fantasies, the Sonics, Mario Run, stuff like that. Are these games all going to be transferred over? And the only way you can play games on your phone is through a subscription service, or are you going to be able to purchase these individually? That remains to be seen. I think was something that's going to be very important. And around the time of E3 and around the time of Gamescom, it looks like it's going to be not only the traditional Xbox, a PlayStation, Nintendo showing off stuff. We now have to keep a bigger focus as far as what is going to come exclusively to platforms such as App Arcade and Google Stadia. What are your thoughts out there on the whole Apple new experiences that they're offering to consumers starting at $4.99 a month with Apple Arcade and Apple Plus? Are you excited as an Apple fan to go ahead and delve into one or both of these outlets? Or are you a little bit on the fence waiting to see what's coming up from Apple? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, Josh with thoughts about Gears of War 5 and Borderlands 3 coming up right after the break. And then a little later on, we're going to have Jessica Boggs from the tvratingsguide.com with her September TV update. And we'll count down number 111 to 120 on our top 200 of video games all time. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace Gaming Wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. 
Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single-player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com, and if you use the code VITABRACE50, you'll get half off on a Vitabrace gaming wristband, or use the code BUYONE-GET-ONE, and it's buy one, get one free. That's right, just use the code VITABRACE50, or buy and the number one, get and the number one today to get some great deals on some Vitabrace gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace, win with it. I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on Gears of War 5, Borderlands 3. You had a chance to go ahead and play both those games. I want to hear your thoughts on your experience with both Gears of War 5 and Borderlands 3. Okay, so I will start with Gears of War 5. So Gears 5, as it's titled on the game and the Games Pass store. It's not your traditional Gears. It's, while what I remember most about the old Gears games, that everything feels very clunky. They're fun to play, but it's very clunky. You know, like you go up to cover, you get stuck on things a lot. And you don't, there's not really, you're killing the same types of bad guys over and over again. There's like four different weapon types. Gears 5 comes in, changes everything. There's so many different weapon types to play. I think I've come across 12 so far. And there's so many different enemy types, and they introduce them all so early on in the game. So it almost has points where it feels like Doom, where each enemy type, you have to use a different gun to try to take them out. Though all guns work, it just depends on how much ammo you want to waste. With Gears 5, it picks up shortly after the events of Gears 4. You're going into this old silo trying to launch a satellite up into space so you can start using the Hammer of Dawn again, which is a huge story element they'll get into. I don't want to do spoilers on this one, but... Yeah, it's you. You go. You you take care of that. So you're kind of you're you're back with the old crew. You have Marcus running along with you. You can play co-op. So it's either, you play as either JD or Dell in the first set, the first chapter, and then I think you have a third player play as the robot. So you kind of you play that, and then you kind of catch up on what's going on. You know, the the swarm is getting worse. Kate's still having the headaches because she's connected to the the locust somehow. Marcus is. It shows this very fragile relationship between Marcus and Jen, I think her name was. And you get more backstory on how JD was born and what happened to Anya, which is really cool. One thing I really do like about it, and I know this is causing some controversy with people, is that it feels, you know, you get to the second chapter and it feels like an open world game. Because you have Kate and Dell out in the open and you have this uh, solar sail and you're, you're skimming along the snow. There's a lot of places to explore. You can go a lot of places. There's objectives. I wouldn't say there's like side quests, but there's objectives. You can stop at places, check things out, or like Marcus or Baird will call in and say, hey, can you, there's something here. You might want to go take a look at it. And there's secondary objectives. There's it, The world feels really big, but there's not a lot in it. But I still think that it's cool compared to the old Gears of War games, and I haven't, I've only gotten to halfway through the second chapter, but what I have seen of the game so far, I really like, and the story is, I don't know enough about it yet, it it has a lot of things in it that are shocking just so far, from what I understand, there's a big twist at the end that I haven't quite gone to yet, but I'm expecting something crazy to happen. There's a lot happening, you're getting more backstory on the other characters, the fighting is very fluid. You're not sticking to objects as much anymore. The grenade throwing feels a lot easier. A lot of weapons, a lot of grenade launchers. There's a mortar you can use that kind of shoots things up into the air. The snatchers are still a pain in the butt to fight, but 
it feels like a Gears game, but it also feels like something new. It feels like something that belongs on a first-party title that belongs in the upper echelon of first-party titles. So I'm not saying this is the thing that saves Xbox, but it is something that it's a game of note is what I'm trying to say. And I, as I play more, I'll, I'll elaborate more on what's going on on the game, but I'm really digging it so far. I don't know where the game's going to go, which is good. I can't really predict what's going to happen, but I will talk more about it as I get through it. Have, what, have you heard anything about it? Have you played it yet? Any thoughts on it? Well, I've had spent a great deal of time trying to see more into Gears of War 5 and see whether or not it's something that I think I really want to get into. I think from what I'm seeing, as far as from a story aspect, I think it's pretty good. I think it tries to tell a little bit more detailed and cohesive narrative, especially when you're taking the skiff and going out to all those extra side adventures. So you're getting a little bit more of the story building. If you And I, I, if you're into that, I really highly recommend going ahead and taking the side adventures just to go ahead and build up that campaign for you even more. Whether or not it takes it to a higher level, I'm hoping that it will or as far as the Xbox platform is concerned. I think it's a step in the right direction. I'm a lot more positive on it than I was maybe two, three weeks ago. And, and you heard me. I was a little bit unsure or, or kind of disappointed as where the Gears franchise was going. But I now think after seeing quite a bit of footage of it and seeing where it's going, I think it's a lot better off than what I thought two or three weeks ago. So I'm hoping that Gears of War 5 will become that preeminent franchise for Xbox going forward once again. So one more thing I do want to bring up is the the color palette in Gears 5 is so cool because it's like it's they got lots of greens, lots of yellows, lots of the, you can even see sun shining through the through the leaves and the trees like that's something we've never seen in a Gears 5 game because remember all the other colors have been just grays and and reds and blacks and stuff like that in Gears it's very, it has a very gothic look. In this game it's all there's so much color it you the first level you drop in it almost feels like an uncharted game because you're dangling from a helicopter in all this greenery so it's it's a very beautiful game it looks like it's a very beautiful game and i think a lot of people will be surprised and somewhat you know interested in staying within the gears war franchise plus the new additions to the horde mode make it more palatable for a long time to come for gamers out there but you did get a chance also as well to play a game I knew you had been very excited for in Borderlands 3. So share the goods, my friend. Your thoughts on Borderlands 3. Okay, so this is kind of embarrassing. I, I played a lot this morning. I'm probably about four hours in. But the first night I got it, I was super excited. I went home, opened it up, let it install, and then I fell asleep in the character creation screen. So when I woke up the next morning, I was still had not picked my character. So... I've been so tired and I'm trying to like play a, a few missions at a time. And it's from what I've played, it's fun. It's, it looks a lot different. It looks like Borderlands on a new console. So all the people saying it's just Borderlands 2. I don't think so. I think it looks different. I love the secondary objectives now. So when you, when you do a quest or a mission or whatever you want to call it, there's um, the mission itself and there's a little plus sign that, and then it says secondary objective. Like one of them, you go and you do this mission for Ellie and it's, it's, fighting this guy named dump truck and you once you kill him you get points but if somehow during the fight you manage to shoot him in the in the backside you get bonus points you get like 2500 extra points for that 
And that is something that I I think it's fun. It, it gives you more incentives. It lets you because before in Borderlands, you're just going around killing the bosses. You're not looking for clever ways to kill them. You're just trying to put enough bullets in them to make them not move anymore. With this one, it's fun because you're trying to do it in clever ways. So I, I'm assuming it's going to be more like, you know, shoot them with a kill them, take them down with a lightning weapon or, or whatever comes next. I've only unlocked uh, SMGs and shotguns so far, so I haven't really gotten any assault rifles unless those were removed from the game. My my complaint, the map, the first map they drop you on is huge. They do the thing that they used to do in old strategy games. Remember like in Age of Empires or the Alien vs. Predator games, you go around, even Halo Wars, the areas of the map are shadowed until you get there and you unlock them. So in the uh, the first map they drop you on in Borderlands, you're in a car and you can go around and you can kind of unshadow everything. But it kind of, for those of us who have gaming OCD like I do, like I have to go and unshadow everything. It drives me crazy. As far as the combat goes, the combat feels very smooth, very fluid. Love the, the running and sliding system and you can actually run and sliding can kick people. And so once you, you run and slide and kick them, they fly backwards and then you just pull out your shotgun and you get extra points if you shoot them in the air. I've only done about six quests so far. I'm ready to dive back into it. I haven't gotten to like the, the space part and all that, being able to go to different planets. I've gotten a couple skill points. So I'm, I'm playing as Moe's, the mech suit person. The one thing that does bother me, and I know there's a complaint a lot of people have, I don't like the new Claptrap voice because it's not you know, hashtag not my claptrap. It's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It feels like a great part of Borderlands has been removed from the game. And I know it sounds close to it, but it's not. And it's okay. You're moving towards an objective and the, the people you're doing the mission for will just say the same things over and over and over again until you do it. So there's this one mission you go, you have claptrap, you're trying to find a pieces for his antenna. So you, you do this thing, you get over this area, and there's Claptrap's thing is in a bunker underground. So you have to do one of these, uh, jump off the, the cliff and then do a, like a, a hard stomp down to break the board that, that's blocking you from getting to that area. And until you do that, Claptrap will just keep talking, saying the same thing over and over. Maybe you should jump. He'll do that over and over and over again until you do it. So that's my big complaint about the game right now. Other than that, it's really, it's been fun. And, you know, again, I will talk more about this as I get through it. But what are your thoughts, man? Is it something that you're interested in checking out? Always when it concerns the Borderlands series. I mean, it's so much fun to find the different variations in guns that you can go ahead and utilize. Plus the sense of humor that it has. Mind you, I think a lot of people are talking about that it does not have quite the same sense of humor. Because the writers involved that were helping to make the Borderlands series what it was. Not all of them are there this time around, so the writing is not quite entirely there. But still, it looks like it's a great time. I think if what, from what I've seen, I think it's something that I definitely want to get into, and I think a lot of other people as well. I think the, the advertising and the promotion of the game that is still very prevalent out there as we're talking right now is going to garner some big returns for the game. I think 2K will be satisfied with what happens down the road with Borderlands and Borderlands 3. I think they're going to find a great residual benefit as far as from sales and interest in Borderlands because I think they've done a great job of promoting it. I think the game has earned solid enough reviews to go ahead and garner enough attention. Mind you, they're not game of the year level, but still, 
that's solid enough, and that's what it needed to do to become a very good seller. And I think it's going to be a consistent seller till the end of the year. Yeah, I hope so. And Borderlands is one of those games where they continually release new content. So what was it with Borderlands 2? Like they that game was putting out content for what at least five years after it came out. So I don't see why Borderlands 3 would not be a game that would continue to sell copies, you know, at least until another entry is, is hatched or announced or something like that. So absolutely. Those are some great thoughts on Borderlands 3 and Gears of War 5. If you out there have thoughts on Gears of War 5 and Borderlands 3, we'd love to hear them. Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We're coming up after the break. It's Jessica Box with our September TV update. She's going to fill us in on what's up ahead for the TV networks and cable that's coming up out there. And then after that, we count down 111 to 120 in our top 200 video games of all time. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. It's that time again. It's the fall TV season. A lot of awesome shows are coming to television on a broadcast and cable and even a streaming format. And, of course, we cannot talk TV without our good friend. She is one of the awesome writers for the TVRatingsGuide.com. you got to check out all the great things that are going on there at the TVRatingsGuide.com. Plus, catch her new show, Jessica's show, on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and so much more. It is my good friend. She's back once again. It's Jessica Boggs. Welcome back, Jessica, and hello to the fall TV season. Well, we got some new shows that are coming out pretty soon. First, we're going to probably have to talk about ABC. That's right. Let's start off with ABC. Just so interesting to see how still a priority ABC is even with all the stuff that Disney is focusing on, obviously their own products, Marvel, Star Wars, Fox, all that stuff going on there, FX, they've got that now into the kitty. So I want to hear your thoughts on what's going on with ABC and their plans for this fall. Well, Dancing with the Stars is going to be the one to premiere Monday night this upcoming week. And then the following week will be ABC premiere week. The Good Doctor is going to be the one that will premiere first, followed by all the other shows. And then the last shows to premiere for September will be most of the Sunday night lineup. Can't say the darndest things is going to premiere the week after. Do you see them going ahead and having some shows that really will connect with an audience outside of their maybe, what, three, four shows that always seem to find an audience? Do you see anything breaking out from the pack as far as any of the new shows or any 
shows that that you think will find an audience? Like I said, most new shows are at the 10 p.m. time slot, which means not as much with viewers, but they have to expect something else to hit. Stumptown, maybe it might not hit as much. Emergence probably might not hit as much because of the Tuesday 10 p.m. death slot implications because they just moved the rookie that was a Tuesday 10 p.m. and they moved it to Sunday. Well, the rookie to me, I think is on borrowed time. Uh, I mean, it's a show that especially with the allegations that happened over the course of its first year, it's a little bit of trouble production. I don't give it a whole lot of time. That's just my personal feeling. You may feel otherwise, but like you said, when you put it into what you call the Sunday death slot, it seems to go ahead and never find any success there. But I'm going to give you something right here. I think you mentioned it barely, but Stumptown. I think with Colby Smothers, I think she... I think this show might work. I think it, it might have a little bit of a style. I've seen a little bit of the footage that's been out there. It might have enough style to, to attract an audience, but I'm just going to throw it out there. If there's any show on ABC that will have any type of new audience brought to it, I think it's going to be Stumptown. I agree. So what do you got ahead next for our friends at CBS? So starting with the Monday night lineup, it will be premiere week on the 23rd, starting with the comedies, the neighborhood and then Bob Hart's Abishola. And then the last two premiere after all these shows premiere, it would be Madam Secretary becoming the last show to premiere in October. Okay, we've talked about ABC, we've talked about CBS, but we got to go to the broadcast leader right now in NBC. So I want to hear your thoughts on what NBC has planned for this fall. What are some of the standouts that are coming back or coming to NBC? Well, there's not much because NBC is like the number one network. It's kind of like the usual suspects with The Voice and This Is Us still being the top of the networks. There's probably not that many standouts, for example, with the new comedies that they got. The 30 slots after Superstore and The Good Place. Those shouldn't have been touched or broken up, honestly. Let me ask you this. You know, you're talking about breaking up because I have an affinity for Superstore. But when it comes to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which they put in that spot of Superstore during Superstore's hiatus and whatnot, do you see a point in time where they're going to add both shows and put them both in the lineup at the same time? It could. Or maybe like Brooklyn Nine-Nine after Superstore or in between. Because is this the last year of Good Place or am I mistaken? This is the final season of The Good okay. Place. Okay, that's what I thought I heard. So they could put Brooklyn Nine-Nine because I have not heard any type of removal of that show. So you could see that happening for next fall? It could happen. But as it stands right now, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is in mid-season and it only has 13 episodes. Well, it would be smart of NBC to put that instead of a brand new one, which may or may not find an audience. At least Brooklyn Nine-Nine is something familiar so if they put a Superstore Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Brooklyn Nine-Nine and a Superstore for next fall, I think that might be the safer way to do it. But then again, NBC at number one can take those risks and take those challenges if they wanted to go ahead and put something new in that place of, of the good place. But when it comes to This Is Us, it's now in its third season? Season four coming Yeah, season up. four. Okay, okay. So season four 
A lot is still riding high with that one because that came out of nowhere, became a big hit, and now it seems to be a foundational piece for NBC. What are they going to do to surround that with some quality shows? And also, the Chicago shows, what are your prospects for making, again, a continued story out of the Chicago series? I think the Chicago's are probably not going to be affected by the mass Singer. So they're going to be steady for quite some time. Whereas This Is Us is going to be somewhat in decline. We've seen this in season three, and we're still going to see it in season four, even after The Voice. And The Voice is also in decline too. And so NBC may have to rethink some of its strategies. There's also Bluff City Law, and that's going to be one of the ones to premiere first. And a lot of us are not too high on how Bluff City Law will do. I think it's going to do okay, but not set the world on fire type thing. Okay. You know, and then there's also a lot of great things going on at Fox because NBC, like I said, still the leader, still out there doing the numbers. Fox is an entity that I think really just goes out there and tries a whole bunch of different things, seeing what sticks. I applaud them for at least that part of it because they're willing to go ahead and take chances. What's coming up ahead for the folks at Fox? For Fox, they are going to premiere their shows next week, but Almost Family and SmackDown will be the last to premiere on the network. And so Empire is on a new night, and that's going to be airing its final season. It's on a 9 p.m. slot, but it's going to probably continue bleeding even for a final season. So we'll probably see how much it bleeds. But then again, 9 is becoming one of the cornerstones of the new Fox lineup. And they've even talked about putting on an offshoot of 9 Is that correct? They're developing the spinoff of 9 last time I checked. Animation domination, they've always seemed to do well with, with one exception. They've always seemed to have that one show that cannot stick with the entire group for one reason or another. What does Fox have this year on plate for its new show to add into animation domination? I think with Bless the Hearts, the one that doesn't even always work, it involves football numbers. And that inflates most of animation. And then once animation, mostly creators, that show always gets the first to get cut from the lineup entirely. Once again, I'm with Jessica Boggs. She's one of the big time writers for the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great stuff that they're doing there, including daily updates on ratings, of course, because they're the TV Ratings Guide, but also as well, they have original programming, which only they have. So you got to check that out. Plus also as well, you got to check out their original articles, reviews, and so much more. It is the TVRatingsGuide.com. Well, my friend, we talked about ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. There's also some great things going on with your friends. Oh, <laughs> because they're man. not my friends at the CW. So tell us. Well, I got two questions for you. What's coming up at the CW? And also, will there eventually be a 0.0 when it comes to a rating slide for a show on the CW? Well, currently... They premiered like the last of their summer shows. Like they premiered the last one, which was Red Bull Peaking. And as I put it in, they only got like 239,000 viewers and so far a 0.1 in the demo, which likely translates to a 0.05 
or a 0.06 between a 0.05 and a 0.09 in the ungrounded demo, which is not great, especially on Friday. Masters of Illusion did better. And so coming for October, you have the iHeartRadio Music Festival the week before. CW shows kick off October 6th. And then speaking of October 6th, we still have Dynasty, which is going to be in its third season, whether it's going to hit the first ever point zero on broadcast since it's moved to 9 p.m. or not, but we'll see. But we also have new shows, Nancy Drew, and what's that one other show? Oh, Batwoman. They're coming on tops for fall. What's that other show? I've told you before, and we talked about Batwoman before, I like the angle that they're taking there. I like the fact that it is not going to be just what you know what would have been portrayed in us in the past. I like this angle and where they're headed with it. So I'm I, I actually I wish for the best when it comes to Batwoman. I think it's a little bit of of a fresh take upon the characters that are there in the whole Batman universe. So I wish all the best for Batwoman. And again, I, I don't want to be mean to the CW because I know I get a, a, I know I'm probably going to get a little flack out there for what I do in regards to the CW. I wish the best for them, but come on. You know, you continually provide low numbers time and time again. CW needs to reevaluate itself. Is it running out of profit when it does this? I mean, that's something that I, I would ask the TVRatingsGuide.com to do. You and, and the crew have got to get together. Continually low ratings below 1.0. You know, your advertising rates are much lower than, let's say, an NBC or CBS or Fox even. I, I want to know... The residual effect long-term for this, I mean, have they been making money? Have they been generating profits from that? What does the CW get? What is the long-term effect of it? Because I don't see a happy ending for the CW because you only can sustain yourself so long with these small numbers from what I see as far as common sense is concerned. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I'm thinking this because the ratings are also going down on all the other networks and the league averages was fractional last year, which means the hit threshold for the CW is like going to go to like 0.3, 0.4. That's the hit threshold. And now you have you have shows that are continuing pulling like 0.1s and 0.2s or low 0.3s in the fall. I think that probably need to reevaluate themselves because they changed affiliates in Chicago for like the third season, not in a row, but the third season in a few years. Uh, and the only reason why I'm saying that is because you look at all the other networks that have performed really at a poor level. They usually, for some reason or another, the, for, for financial reasons, obviously, they're not able to sustain themselves long term. And I, it's the same thing I, when I talk to you about Freeform and you know the, all the jokes I've made over the years about the Freeform channel. And I don't know how long, much longer Disney wants to go ahead and say, hey, you know what? We've got this very small wash network. How much do we want to go ahead and sustain it? And the thing is with same with CW. Warner Brothers heavily invested in the CW, and they see this low-rated entity year in, year out. How much more and how much longer do you really expect these big powerhouse entities to sustain these smaller networks? I mean, it really doesn't drive a substantial audience to their products. And that, to me, I find... Uh, you know, I, I guess it's okay because it provides diversity. It provides a variety. It provides something for the, else for the consumer to watch. But when it's continually that low, maybe they could put their resources better somewhere else. 
It's kind of like when you have like shows that do better in streaming, but the only show that was pulling in all the profit from both streaming and traditional syndication was Supernatural, and that's ending after 15 seasons. I'm assuming that Supernatural gets more out of its syndication than it actually does from its first air running. I mean, that's just me, but I'm assuming that that's going to be the case. But Jessica, I want to ask you, uh, you know, we've talked about the broadcast networks. We've talked about some of the situations that are going on with each of them. I want to hear your thoughts real quickly on cable and what's going on with some of the things that are going on in cable. I know something that's always standing out on FX. I know AHS 1984 is something that a lot of people are excited by because it may reinvigorate the AHS series to an extent. But, uh, you know, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, you know, what is going on with cable, FX, or anywhere else you want to go to when it comes to the world of cable? It's going to probably not set the ratings roll on fire, but still do solid for FX. It's still one of the top shows for the network overall. But going on with, like, the past few months, like, the past week and so, I was really disappointed, especially when a TBS show full frontal with Samantha B. It came down to like a 0.19 this week, which was way down from like the August 14th episode and down from like the first half of the fourth season. But we're going to give that a pass because Wednesday was 9-11, but only time will tell. We have to keep watch on this next week. We're also watching the ratings for the live show, which airs also on TNT and TBS called Chasing the Cure, but it's only doing okay but it's not really setting the ratings world on fire. And speaking of MTV, the latest ratings for the Hills revival and are you the one are terrible, which is pretty much an understatement. Hills scored a 0.17 this week and are you the one scored a 0.12 this week, which further points out the overall MTV ratings decline. I mean, I could give a pass with Paramount like, 0.12, 0.13, like Paramount Network regularly gets that with special programming. And we give that a pass. But MTV, especially one of the big networks, uh-uh. They have to reevaluate themselves. And then the collapse of VH1 is also evident when Love and Hip Hop Hollywood was at a 0.5 this past week. So that's something to think about because, again, you're talking about the Viacom and also CBS merger. How many of these networks, how many of these shows are still going to get the same kind of love going forward? But with AHS 1984, it's a throwback to what we saw with the Jason movies, the kids at the lake, the whole nine yards. I love that commercial that just came out for it. It truly just brings back memories of horror slasher movies gone by. But again, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to cable. So hopefully in your October TV update, you can get us up to date on what's going on in the world of cable. But also as well, focus in on some of the shows that are performing well early out the gate and some of the shows that are headed to a quick cancellation. My friend, it's just been great talking to you. Oh, one last thing. Apple Plus, $4.99, a lot of great shows that are coming to it, a lot of original programming that's heading to that network. Your thoughts on Apple Plus real quick before we head on out. It was their annual fall event on September 9th, which also had like the iPhone 11. 11 Pro and then 11 Pro Max. So this will be $4.99 a month, which is much lower than Disney Plus. And we're going to probably wait and see what happens next because this only applies when you have bought like one of their latest Apple products. But we don't know for sure. But the shows that I heard they're coming out 
they're going to set some records, especially with Apple TV. I know there's a lot of good stuff I see, uh, the morning show and some other things that they're going ahead and debuting on that network. $4.99 is an attractive price. Also, as well, for Apple Arcade, they both talked about $4.99 being an entry point early on for consumers. But it's going to be hard for them to go ahead and compete with Disney Plus coming up with all the stuff that it can go ahead and showcase later on in November when it debuts, but plus also as well what Netflix has on hand and also CBS All Access and whole nine yards with everything that's going on streaming. But the price point, $4.99 is a great entry point. I think that's a smart move. Obviously, Apple can eat any of the costs by just selling some more iPhones or iPads to you or anything else that's eye-related. It's a good time for consumers out there. There's so much choice, almost too much, but you know what? With Apple, they are going to make a name in the industry, I think, going forward. It just depends on whether or not they stay committed. They can stay up with Amazon Prime and Netflix and Disney Plus and CBS All Access and whatever, the Warner Brothers HBO Love Fest that's coming as well, the Universal streaming and all that. So it'll be interesting to see what niche Apple Plus makes over the course of the next couple of years when it comes to the streaming market. I think also, because we've also read like yesterday that the CEO of Disney just resigned from like the Apple board. Well, I I think that was a smart move. That was just a conflict of interest. I mean, you can't have Disney plus and then say, you know what? Well, I don't think you should put these shows on Apple plus because they'd be kind of too popular and they might compete with my own Disney plus, you know, that, that is just, it was a conflict of interest. Yeah. I would think it's like a conflict of interest too, but the media is like playing it as like, okay, there's this conflict between Apple versus Disney. And I'm like, no, it's just a conflict of interest. But they're still competitors, though. Not right now, but by the end of 2019, they'll both be competitors competing for that market, along with them trying to get each uh, a piece of the big streaming pie that's out there. So I can't blame them, for, and I blame anybody out there for taking shots and whatnot. But yeah, they're both going to be competitors. By the time the end of 2020 rolls around, I see both as larger entities, especially Disney+. Plus. How big of a piece Apple Plus will get, I'm not entirely sure. They're the wild card in all this. I think they need more programming to come in there to get people talking. They need, obviously, shows that get people interested. The morning show and the, a couple of the other shows that they were presenting out there, I think, are a good step in the right direction. But we'll have to wait and see how this transitions out. And I know we'll be talking about it here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. I know you'll be talking about it with the TVRatingsGuide.com. And I certainly know you'll be talking about it on your brand new show, Jessica's Show, which you can catch on Anchor and so many other different podcast outlets. Well, my friend, it's been great having you on the show again. Any last thoughts before we head on out? Well, we have several new shows that are coming this fall to the TV Ratings Guide. And we have Network coming back for Season 3, Writer's Block coming back for Season 2. And we have a spinoff of Finally Together called Finally Apart. That's coming this fall to the TV ratings guide. It sounds like the TV ratings guide is taking a little bit more chances than CBS. So that bolts well for all of the audience that goes ahead and follows your great site, the TV ratings My friend it's just been great having you on the show. Once again, got to get you back on October. Got to get you back talking about all the great things that are going on in the world of television. What's hot, what's not. But if you need to come on sooner, just give me the high sign because you're always welcome right here on The Pop Culture Cosmos.
If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. All right, and we're back to close out the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. If you need a listing where we're at because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week on great radio stations all over the world, including our friends at Crooked River Radio. Please take a look at our listings today, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we're on also over 30 different podcast networks, including our great friends at Bullhorn as well. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with your book, Congratulations, You Suck. It's been selling well, but you got to tell people out there, once again, where can you find your awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck? Find on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Book Locker, and it's in physical and ebook formats. So I'm going to do a little more promoting this week, so I'll have some more stuff to announce about that. But yeah, definitely check it out. And if you purchased it, I'd appreciate a review on Amazon. That would help me out quite a bit. But if you have purchased it, thank you. I just want to say I hope you like it. And yeah, I'm going to start working on another book here soon. Once again, that's Congratulations, You Suck. You can find it today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com the Nook, the Kindle, and of course, stop by your local Barnes & Noble where you can request it and it'll come right to the store. I also want to thank Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com for being on today's program. But before we head on out, my friend, we got to talk the top 200 video games of all time as determined by our followers from the Pop Culture Cosmos. We got to go ahead and do a countdown of the 111 to 120 games. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. 120, that's going to be Splatterhouse. 119, Silent Hill 2, 118, Shining Force 2, 117, Puyo Puyo, 116, Perfect Dark, 115, Obworld, Abe's Odyssey, 114 is Monster Party, 113 is Metroid Prime, 112 is Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, and 111 is Mario Party. I know our good friends at Mario Party Wars and Storm Rush Gaming always have a great time playing Mario Party. And you know what? I think that really started it all for them. But there's a lot of great games on the list, a lot of classic retro games. So what stands out to you in your mind when it comes to numbers 111 to 120? Okay, I feel weird saying this, but I've only played like three of these games. So Silent Hill 2 was fun. I remember Silent Hill 1 was a, I think I talked, we talked, this was earlier on the list, Silent Hill 1, but it was just one of those games where you wanted to see what happens next, wanted to dive back into the world. And of course, after the movies came out, I was no longer interested in Silent Hill because they very much killed it for me. Shining Force 2, loved it. Loved Shining Force 1. You got it, you know, and like you said in the article here, uh, Sega, what made them such a great company was that they were willing to think outside the box. And that's why we had so many ninja-based games on Sega, like Shinobi, Shining Force. Uh, there are a few others that I remember came on the little six-pack thing you bought with, you got with the console. I don't know. There's just there's something about it because it was the fir- not the first of its kind, but it was something that it felt like an arcade game you could play at home. And that was something I always loved. And I, I'm pretty sure that this was one you could play with your friends. I don't remember. I just remember owning it. 
And I remember spending quite a few hours playing it. You know, of course, there was no save system, so you had to play it all the way to the end. But it was definitely a classic that always sticks out in my mind. I've actually been looking for it. So if you guys know anyone out there who has it and wants to get rid of it, send us an email, please. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Next one here, Perfect Dark. I watched friends play it. I played the one that came out on the Xbox 360. It's definitely a series I've always wanted to go back and play because I feel like I've missed out on a lot of this stuff as a kid because I just bought a Nintendo 64 like three months ago, and that's the first one I've ever owned, so I missed out on some things. One I did play, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, and I love these games, and I keep, I was, I'm hopeful that we'll see like newer stuff grace the newer consoles, but these are classics, and I just remember being able to walk around and talk to the other people, and you can make farting noises, and you can make them laugh. Like, hey. That was always fun. It's it's a great game, great series. I haven't played Metroid. I played the first Metal Gear Solid, but not Snake Eater. Played Mario Party a few times, but these are all games. Like, it's funny, as we're going through this list, I'm finding all these games I really want to go back and play because I didn't have the, the means to play these games as a kid, and I feel like I've been missing out on things. I ask you, though, what games on this list really stick out to you? For me, I think it's Perfect Dark. I think that was something that really resonated with gamers of that time as far as from a first-person shooter standpoint. I know it really went wrong with the next iteration of Perfect Dark, which came out with the Xbox 360, but for at least for a short period of time from our good friends at Rare, they seem to really be hitting on a high note time after time after time during that era. And for me, Perfect Dark really resonated as a game that a lot of people then and even now could really get into. But if you want to read up on the rest of our list of the top 200 video games of all time, you can check it out today, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. All the numbers, all the lists by 10 are on there already. They've already gone ahead and we've already counted down to the number one game of all time on our site. So you want to check that out, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com or keep listening to us right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for stopping by. But one last thing that I have to talk to you about before we head on out, Tokyo Game Show. We saw a ton of footage over the weekend in regards to Death Stranding. We saw a great amount of footage when it comes to the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Is there anything else that you're excited for there? And have we seen too much when it comes to Death Stranding? I don't think so. I think despite all the footage that has been shown, we still don't really know that much about the game and i feel like it's one of those games where we're not going to know enough about it until the game actually comes out so that's something i do give props to kojima for but also what i understand it's a really really long game so i'm hoping that it's more than just a walking simulator i know there's some action some gun play in there but we've just seen footage we, we haven't seen an action we haven't like heard anything from anyone who's played it you know, it's still very mysterious to me and that's something that it's a good marketing strategy. It's going to make people want to play it, but it's also it could work to the disadvantage because if this game ends up being bad, then I don't think Kojima is really going to be someone that's able to survive in the current marketplace because there's so much expectations on this game. And my concern is that he's not going to be able to fulfill those expectations and we're going to miss the chance to play maybe some cool games that he might come out with in the future. Final Fantasy VII, though, I love it. You know, I, I really want to play it. I love that it has an active battle system, but I also love that if, if you want to play it in classic mode, where you can go back and do the separate battle screen, like you could do that too. I, I love the extra efforts they're going through for fans of the game, whether you're a new fan, you just jumping onto the series, or if you're there for nostalgia's sake. They're really 
trying to hit every market there is. And they're hearing what the fans want and they're making those adjustments as they go along. And I really applaud Square for that because that's, you know, they haven't really been known to care that much about what the fans think. You know, look at the Final Fantasy 15 debacle with all the extra DLC that was supposed to come out and got canceled. So I don't know. Like, and I, I, I like the idea of the virtual on series coming out to PS4. I haven't really seen those games in a while. I ask you this, though. What is anything sticking out to you from the Tokyo Game Show? I really think all the extra footage of Death Stranding. I personally enjoyed it. Only Kojima could think these crazy things up. And I'm expecting to see a lot more craziness and wild things to happen when you play Death Stranding coming up this November. My friend, it's been a great episode indeed. I cannot thank you enough for being part of it. Don't forget to catch our shows the Lakers Fast Break Podcast and Inside Sports Fantasy Football coming up this week. It's going to be a great show on Friday when we're going to be talking about Rambo. We're going to be talking about Ad Astra. We're going to be talking about a lot more stuff coming out in pop culture. So it's going to be an awesome week to recap in pop culture coming up on our Friday show, PCC Multiverse. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great day we are the metal geeks podcast and on this show we have heavy metal comic books video games movies theme parks and more wait wait wait! comics yep and movies exactly video games yeah metal of course how does theme parks fit in this it just does all of us metal geeks can be found at metalgeeks.net at metal geeks for twitter metal geeks on instagram and metal geeks on the facey space you can also find us on itunes subscribe today metal geeks You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.